Frontier Gentlemen, here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual accounts. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentlemen. Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. It's a chancy job, and it makes a man watchful. Now here's your guide to these adventures of the mind. There was someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you this morning. Hey, where's that telegram? Oh, what telegram? I thought I'd put it right on top. Let me take a look. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Might be important. Well, that's from Bill Hickok. Up in Abilene? Yeah. What'd you say, Mr. Dillon? Peters and Gridler headed for Dodge. Keep them there, but don't arrest them until I get there with murder witness. Or I'll write Washington all I know about you. Signed, Hickok. Oh, then Mr. Hickok's coming here, huh? That's what he says. Peters and Gridler are gunmen, Chester. The kind who kill as easy as most men shake hands. Chester and Marshal Dillon have a big job ahead of them. They've got to keep two men who are expected to come in to die from leaving Dodge until, well, Bill Hickok comes into Dodge with a witness to find out if Marshal Dillon will be able to keep track of these men and keep them in Dodge until Hickok shows up. John McIntyre plays the title role of Wild Bill Hickok, and exactly five years later, John McIntyre would play Wild Bill Hickok again on Frontier Gentlemen. So enjoy this show when you listen to this Gunsmoke from July 25th, 1953. And I'll be back with the introduction to Frontier Gentlemen. Hey everyone, this is OTR Rob welcoming you to Frontier Gentlemen. This Frontier Gentleman is from July 27th, 1958, and the episode is entitled Mighty Tired. Well, it just so happens that Clark and J.B. Kendall are on the train headed west, and two of Jesse James's gang is on the train, and they're not dressed in western clothes. They're all duded up. Clark and Kendall recognize them immediately, and they play possum till they pass by them. And J.B. Kendall and Clark get the drop on two of Jesse James' gang because they want what was stolen from them back. Let's listen. The two men who had robbed us, members of Jesse James' gang, occupied seats at the front of the carriage. Clark and I moved up the aisle toward them, the carriage rocking and swaying as we rounded a bend. We sat down behind them. Now listen, I tell you, I've seen it, I've seen it myself. Very good. Good story. But don't turn around, gentlemen, just put your hands up. All the way. Don't I know you? Recognize the voice, huh? Kendall? And Clark, where's my gold? All in good time. Better search them first. If they try anything while I'm doing it, Clark, shoot CD in the back of the neck. Right here. Just so. 
find out if getting the drop on two of the James gang is, is going to reap rewards for them, Kendall and Clark. Find out when you listen to this, Frontier Gentlemen. Enjoy both Frontier Gentlemen and Gunsmoke, and I'll be back next week. Dodge City and to the territory on west. There's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with the U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun smoke. Starring William Conrad, the transcribed story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. everything, Chester? Well, there might be more later when they finish sorting the mail. Hey, where's that telegram? Oh, what telegram? I thought I'd put it right on top. Let me take a look. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Might be important. Oh, we'll soon see. Well, it's from Bill Hickok. Up in Abilene? Yeah. What'd you say, Mr. Dillon? Peters and Gridler headed for Dodge. Keep them there, but don't arrest them until I get there with murder witness. Or I'll write Washington all I know about you. Signed, Hickok. Oh, then Mr. Hickok's coming here, huh? Now, that's what he says. Well, how do you recognize those two men, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, I expect I'll recognize them all right. Oh, you know them. Yeah, we've met. Teeters and Gridler are gunmen, Chester. The kind who kill as easy as most men shake hands. Just about as often. Too bad you can't just put him in jail. Yeah. Well, we'll start meeting the trains. There's one in at noon, sir. Good. Then we'll meet it. What will we do if they are on this train, Mr. Dillon? Nothing, Chester. I'll find them later and talk to them, but not in a crowd like this. Yes, sir. You know, every time I see a train, I am just overpowered with the urge to travel. Oh? Where to? Anywhere. Anywhere but Kansas. <laughs> well, I don't think you'd like it back east any better. Why not? You just have the urge to come out west again. <laughs> I know you're kind. Mm, I suppose you're right, sir. But still, it'd be good to walk down a street that wasn't all heat and dust and that wasn't crowded with a lot of grimy men looking for trouble. And I wouldn't mind seeing some women, married women, with kids and parasols and Wait a minute, Chester. There they are. Where? They just got off the end car. Those two headed for the depot there. One of them's tall? Yeah. That's Teeters in the black hat. The other's Gridler. 
I'll just step around the corner here and see which way they head. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Looks like they're going to the Dodge House. Now let's follow them. Try to make them feel welcome to stay in Dodge. When do you think Mr. Hickok will get here? Uh, be a couple of days anyway, Chester. Uh, look, right now I want you to go back to the depot and ask the ticket agent to let me know if Teeters and Gridlers start to leave any time. You can describe them to him. All right, sir. And then go to the stage office. Yes, sir. And go to all the stables, too. If they rent or buy any horses, I want to know about it right away. I'll tell everybody. Also tell them to keep quiet about it. I'll, uh... Be back at the office later, huh? All right, sir. You know, what can I do for you, Marshal? Two men came in here just a minute ago. One of them was tall, black hat. Well... Well, what, Marshal? You were here. Did you see them? Those were gunmen. I could tell. The tall one's Teeters and the other one's Gridler. Those are the names they gave you? Yes, but there'll be trouble if you try to arrest them here, Marshal. Can't you wait until they're outside in the street someplace? No. What if they're after you? I've got nothing to do with men like that, Marshal. There's no reason in the world that they... Now, just take it easy. They never heard of you, and I'm not going to arrest them. Since you're a good, helpful citizen, maybe you can tell me what room they're in. Certainly, Marshal, certainly. Number 25, up the stairs and turn to your left. Thank you very much. Gone away, Gridler. I just came for a little talk. And make your talk, Marshal. No, I ain't polite, Gridler. Let him in. Watch him better inside, anyway. Hello, Teeters. What's on your mind, Marshal? I just trying to think. Last time I saw you men was in, uh... Let me see, was it Tascosa? Never mind all that, Marshal. Why are you here? No, I heard you were in town. I thought I'd drop by and say hello. News must travel pretty fast in Dodge. We ain't been here 15 minutes, all told. Well, maybe he was expecting us, Griddle. I happened to be at the depot. I noticed you got off, so I followed you here. All right. But we're not wanted, Marshal. <laughs> Matter of fact, a judge up in Abilene just turned us loose. Wasn't no witness to that killing. While Bill tried to frame us, but didn't work. Well, that just goes to show the law's fair to everybody, doesn't it? Why'd you come here, Marshal? Just to let you know that I'm still the law in Dodge and that I don't want any trouble here. With men of your sort, I always like to mention that. We're not looking for trouble. Good, good. Then you're welcome to stay here as long as you like. That's a funny thing to tell us. 
It's an open town, David. Yeah, sure, Marshal. Sure it is, yeah. And I'll treat you two just like anybody else. If you stay out of trouble, the town's yours. Anybody who starts trouble won't be us. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'll be going now, gentlemen. Oh, uh, there are some pretty sharp gamblers here. Don't let them take all of your money. Well, don't you worry about us, Marshal. So long. There was no way of figuring how long Teeters and Griddler might stay in Dodge. If they took a notion to do some gambling, it might be a week or two, or they might move on in an hour. That night, however, they were still in town, Buck and Farrow at the Oliver Ganza. Everything looked fine until Chester came into the office about 10 o'clock. They're fixing to leave, Mr. Dillon, first thing in the morning. Oh, how do you know? Jim Bunch at the stage office. He just told me they came in and paid their fare to Sharon Springs on the morning stage. Sharon Springs, huh? And then they're headed for Denver. Looks like it, sir. All right, Chester. Uh, go tell Jim that I'm going to be on that stage tomorrow, too. If he likes, I'll ride shotgun for him. One of the boys can have a little time off. I'll tell him, sir. But are you going all the way to Denver? I'll follow him all the way to San Francisco if necessary. You can tell Hickok that when he shows up. Too bad he won't be here before they leave. And it'll be another day before he can get here. But that won't be too far behind us. Uh, stage leaves at 8, right? Yes, sir. I'll be there to see you off, Mr. Dillon. Fine. We'll meet at the Dodge House for breakfast, if you like. All right, sir. The stage looks like it's all ready to go, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. I don't see Teeters and Griddler, though. They're not inside, are they? I don't think so. No, they're not here yet. Just about 8 o'clock. They should be here. Well, it doesn't matter, Chester. If they've changed their minds, it's all to the good anyway. Want me to go ask Jim Bunch if he's heard from him, Mr. Dillon? Uh, no, no. Let's just wait here. Oh, say, I forgot to tell you. Jim said the regular shotgun messenger has to go up to Sharon Springs anyway, but to thank you just the same. No, good. Chester. Yes, sir? Look up at the other end of the plaza there. Coming this way. Well, I declare... It's Sam. Yeah. Now what are they up to, I wonder? Well, they can't be taking the stage if they're horseback. No. Looks to me like they're fixed for a long ride, too. Sure does, Mr. Dillon. You're up early, Marshal. Yeah. So are you, Teeters. It's cooler in the morning. Now, for traveling, it is. So long, Marshal. What's the matter? Did you lose all your money last night? Yeah. Next time we'll follow your advice. So long. Will we go after him? Uh, Chester, you stay here and explain things to Wild Bill. I'll be on their trail. As soon as they're out of sight, I'll get my horse. You can tell Jim I won't be taking the stage. All right, sir. I'll leave as clear a trail for Hickok as I can. Yes, sir, I'll tell him. We will return to the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, young women are needed to enroll as student nurses and to take their places as graduate nurses in an ever-expanding field where opportunity unlimited awaits. 
Older women should seek careers as practical nurses where fine living and fine working conditions are in prospect. Ask at any hospital at the nurse's registry desk or at any qualified school of nursing. And now, the second act of Gunsmoke. did my best to stay out of Teeters and Gridler's sight, but if they had suspicions of being followed and were watching their back trail, they'd have known I was there, all right. The land was flat, and we frequently crossed great patches of powder-dried dirt that smoked the air with dust under the horses' feet. After an hour, they began to swing slowly north, and by noon, it was clear that for some reason, they were riding in a great half-circle. They'd left Dodge headed west, and sure enough, just after sundown, they rode back into town from the east. I waited until dark, then came in. Put my horse up. The office was empty, so I walked up to Delmonico's, where I found Doc having supper. Oh, Matt! Oh, sit down, sit down, sit down. Oh, thank you, Doc. Oh, you look hungry enough to even eat this food. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a long time since breakfast, Doc. Well, a man ought to eat three meals regular, Matt. You'll get run down if you don't. <laughs> yeah, sure, Doc. Only sometimes you have to eat when you can. Oh, I told you have a hard day, Matt. Yeah, I've been riding, Doc. Riding around in circles. Oh, is that what the government pays you for? Oh, I'd like to have your job, <laughs> I wouldn't be too sure of that, Doc. It isn't always this easy. Well, I know, Matt. Just told me. What happened to you? You lose them? No, I didn't lose them. As a matter of fact, they're coming in here right now. Huh? What do you mean they're coming in? Those two? Yeah. They're pretty hard-looking fellows. They are. Evening, Marshal. Oh, hello, Teeters. Riddler. Marshal. This is Dr. Adams, gentlemen. How are you? How are you, Doc? How are you? Well, what's on your mind? You are, Marshal. What? That was you trailing us all day, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Why? <laughs> I didn't want you to get lost. That's a lie. Then let's say that I didn't want you to get into any trouble. You're going to tell us what it's all about, Marshal? Well, you're not exactly the most reputable citizens in Kansas, and I just wanted to have an eye on you, that's all. You sure do. Because it's like I told you, you keep out of trouble and you're welcome to stay here. Just remember one thing, Marshal. There's two of us. And next time you follow us, you might not come back. <laughs> well, taking chances like that's part of my job, Mr. Teeters. That's a poor job, then. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I think so, too. Come on, Teeters, let's get out of here. Yeah. Well, they're not very polite, are they? No, but they're smart. Smart enough to figure something's wrong anyway. Well, you think they might bolt, Matt? It uh, depends on how smart they really are, Doc. Right now they're so curious they might stay around just to see what it's all about. Oh, Mr. Dillon? Oh, hello, Chester. Oh, Pull up a chair. Mm -hmm. Pull up a chair, Chester. I won't have time. Hey, we better get right over to the depot. 
Oh, why? What's happened? Well, sir, I saw them ride back into town. The first thing they did was go to the depot and ask about a train. Oh, were you there? No, sir. The agent came and told me, told me like he'd promised. Train goes at 7.30, doesn't it? Yes, sir. And it's just about that now. I've been looking everywhere for you. Uh, Doc, if that waiter ever does come around, tell him to hold a stake for me, will you? I might just be back for it. Uh, sure, Matt. Yes, sir. And good luck. Yeah, thanks, Doc. Come on, Chester. You going to go on the train with him, Mr. Dillon? No. Hickok's sure to be here in the morning, Chester. If I can keep him off this train tonight, I doubt they'll try anything else till tomorrow. Yeah, but you can't arrest him. Yeah, I know. Well, then, I'll how just how you... face him off at Chester. So keep your head up. Yes, sir. Just to say goodbye, Marshal? Not exactly, Peters. Oh? You, uh, you can take the train tomorrow if you like, but, uh, not this one. Why tomorrow? Well, I've got orders to keep you in sight till then. Orders from who? It doesn't matter. But you have your choice. You can have the run of Dodge tonight, or you can spend it in jail. You know, you talk pretty loose for just one man, Marshal. Your friend there doesn't look like a gunman. Well, now, you can't always tell by looks, mister. I can't. You said you didn't want trouble, Marshal, but you sure starting it. There won't be any trouble. You do what I tell you. And if we don't... I'll kill the first one of you that moves for that train. You can die that way, Marshal. Maybe. But you won't both get on that train. Gridler. You know me. You know I'll do it. We can still make it, Gridler. No. It's not worth it. We can go tomorrow. All right. Marshal, tomorrow it'll be different. Yeah, sure, sure. Tomorrow it'll be different. Chester and I met the noon train next day. But as I'd figured, Hickok didn't get off it. I questioned the man who rode the baggage car, and sure enough, Wild Bill and his witness had hidden out there the whole trip. As soon as the crowd left the depot, we walked down to the car. Crawled under it. Pounded on the door on the other side. Who is it? It's Dillon, Bill. Open up. Jump up, Matt. Come on, Chester. Oh, yeah. uh, Matt, how are you? Oh, fine, Bill, fine. Oh, uh, this is Chester Proudfoot. Uh, how do you do, Mr. Uh, Chester? Sam, come over here. This is my witness, Sam Tremble. Uh, howdy, Mr. Tremble. Are you still here, Matt? Yeah, but we better move fast. Matt, that judge up at Abilene's crazy, but he's still the judge. And he says Tremble here has to identify Teeters and Riddler before I arrest him this time. But, Bill, they can't be tried twice for the same crime. I know that, Matt, but I'm after them for a second murder they did. I'd suggest we just go kill them, but I've been waiting a long time to see these two hung, and by glory, I'm going to do it. Now, you will, if you're lucky. Uh, tell me, Mr. Trumbull, do these men know you on sight? Well, I'll tell you how it was, Marshal. I, I was in the stable where I worked. 
over in Abilene, that is. And a fella come in for his horse, and I went to get it for him. I heard some shooting, and then two men ran right past me. I got a good look at them, all right. They just killed that fella, too. You mean you don't know Teeters and Gridler? I never heard of them, Matt. There's no pictures of them I know of, but he can identify them when he sees them. Yeah, sure, but what about them? Will they recognize you, Mr. Trimble? Gosh, I don't know, Marshal. I hope not. They'd kill me on sight, wouldn't they? I hadn't thought of that. Well, you just do what we tell you to, and you'll come to no harm, Trimble. Dylan and I are a fair match for those two. If they start any trouble, we'll be on them so fast they'll die on their feet. Taking a terrible chance. I hadn't thought of that. Easy, Trimble, easy. An hour from now, we'll have them in jail with their teeth pulled. I sure hope so, but how are you going to do it? Just go find them, that's all. As soon as we get them locked up, I'll buy you the biggest steak you ever ate, Trimble. Come on, let's go. I took Hickok and Trimble over to the Texas Trail where we decided we'd wait while Chester located Teeters and Gridler. Then we'd just walk in on them and get it over with fast. I introduced the two men to Kitty and we ordered a couple of drinks for Trimble who was getting jumpier by the minute. What are you two heroes doing? Getting this poor man drunk enough to fight him? <laughs> Not exactly, Miss Kitty. He just lacks faith in us, that's all. Ah. I wouldn't have come if I'd thought about it. I sure would. Look, Trimble. It isn't often a man has both mine and Matt Dillon's guns behind him. You're as safe as you'd be in church. I don't go to church. Uh, here, Mr. Trimble. Have another drink, huh? Uh, I, I will in a minute. I'm going out back first. <laughs> Whatever you're up to, it's making him mighty nervous. Yeah. Well, I'll admit he usually leads a quieter life. He'll brag big, though, once he's back in Abilene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me, Bill, do you plan to stay in Abilene long? Oh, I don't know, Matt. Charlie Utter keeps talking to me about Deadwood. Oh, it's as dusty up in Deadwood as it is in Kansas. Yeah, I know, Miss Kitty, but Charlie thinks some of that dust is made of gold. Ah. Hey, well, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. I'll go with you, man. All right, stay in here, everybody. It was Teeters and Riddler. I was just crossing the street and saw them run out of the alley there. All right, come on. I was going to run away. And he got scared and ran right into him. Yeah, we shouldn't have let him alone at all. They said they saw me with you, Mr. Hickok. They said that that's all they needed to know. And they shot me. Chester, go get the doc. Hurry. Yes, sir. Tell me, Trimble. They were the men who killed that fellow in Abilene. You recognize them all right? No. No, I never saw these two before. It wasn't them. I... Well, what? I knew I shouldn't have come. I... I got killed for nothing. I... Tremble. Tremble. That's no use, Bill. Yeah. He got killed for nothing, all right. 
They must have figured he was a witness to some murder they did commit. Well, anyway, they'll hang for Trimble now. Let's find him before they get out of town, Matt. We'll find him even if they do. Hickok and I walked out of the alley and into the plaza. There were a couple of citizens who'd heard the shooting and had seen Teeters and Griddler run out of the alley. Told us that they'd gone into the Dodge house. And we followed. From the look on the clerk's face as we went past him and up the stairs, I knew that they were in their room. When we reached it, Bill stood on one side of the door and I on the other. Think they're frightened, man? Well, let's ask them. I told you that follow us, Peters. Well, we're trapped sure. Shut up, I said. And it got us to the street on the line. Open the door. Throw your guns out. There's no use trying to fight. There's no use in hanging neither, Marshal. You can just take us the best way you can. No. Our chance hanging. We got off once. Tell you get away from that door. I've listened to you enough. I ain't facing Dylan and Hickok both now. Get out! Oh, Peters, you shouldn't have... Oh, doing it, maybe. Riddler lost his nerve. Blast him. Shooting was too good for these two. I wanted to see him hung. Well, things don't always work out, Bill. Well, they sure don't. Not lately, anyway. Matt, I think I'll go up to Deadwood with Charlie Otter right soon, after all. Maybe I can find me a little peace and quiet. Transcribed under the direction of Norman MacDonald stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were John McIntyre, Lawrence Dobkin, John Daner, Joe Duvall, and Harry Bartell. Parley Bear is Chester, Georgia Ellis is Kitty, and Howard McNear is Doc. Gunsmoke is heard by our troops overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Many of the war orphans of Korea have never known peace or plenty. Their lives have gone from bad to worse. Now their future is in our hands. 
Without help, they cannot live. We can send them food through CARE, the American Package Sending Relief Agency. Send your contribution to CARE's local office or to CARE New York or CARE Los Angeles. This is Roy Rowan. This is the CBS Radio Network. My second encounter with the Jesse James gang was a little more fortunate than the first. This is what happened. Frontier Gentlemen. an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. In just a moment, we will bring you the latest report from the Frontier Gentlemen. Keeping one ear to the ground may offer fine possibilities for calisthenics, but when it comes to keeping up with world affairs you'll find CBS News much more reliable, much more convenient, too. Regularly scheduled CBS News programs, like those featuring Walter Cronkite and Wells Church, come to you on most of these same stations throughout the week. They keep you right up to the minute with history, with concise, informative reports. Now, starring John Daner... This is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. Thaddeus Clark was a miner returning to Illinois from the western Wyoming gold mining country. He and I shared a common bond. He had both been held up by Jesse James and his companions outside of Laramie. But Clark had been relieved of some $5,000 in gold dust, whereas my loss, although leaving me stony broke, amounted to a matter of only $20. In all friendliness and goodwill, Clark offered to pay for my ticket to Cheyenne, where I was sure my remittance from England would be waiting. I accepted the loan, and the two of us boarded the train. As we waited in the station for our departure, I commented to the conductor on the fact that except for us, the carriage was empty. Yeah, these days, folks is moving west. Not many coming back. You should have seen us last trip out to Salt Lake. Biggest crowd in the year. Any particular reason for that? No, just like a plague of locusts. No telling why. Same with eastern folks. Seems they 
all decided once to pull up stakes and head out this way. Of course, there'll be more getting on in Cheyenne. How soon will we be pulling out, mister? Mm, about two minutes. Arriving Cheyenne, barn Buffalo, Indians, and bad men at 4.30. Buffalo and Indians is all right. We've had enough of bad men. That's so. Trouble, huh? And we had the dubious honor of being held up by Jesse James. You don't say. <laughs> well, now, Jesse James. I'd given something to seeing him. We did. Well, sir, proud to have met you boys. Have a good trip. Jesse James. <laughs> He's impressed. He can afford to be. Now, what do you plan to do now? Do you still go back to Illinois? I haven't made up my mind. Got enough to last for a while. Mm. Then maybe I'll go on back to Sweetwater country after I spend a little while in Cheyenne. Mm. Pan gold again? Yeah. Unless I'm lucky enough to hit a vein. How about you? Oh, I'm not sure. I've been thinking about working my way through Dakota Territory. Then perhaps down to Kansas. I'd like to see Dodge City. Well... Can't say I'll be sorry to see the last of Lara. <laughs> I can't exactly blame you. Hey! Mm. Huh? Coming out of the waiting room. Those two men. Both men were well-dressed and carried no luggage. They ran toward the train and then disappeared from view. But I'd had enough time to recognize at least one of them. It was Jesse James' companion, the one we knew only as C.D. They got on. I'll swear they did. Did you see him, C.D., did you? Yes. You think the other fellow's one of the gang? I never saw him without a mask, but I'd be willing to bet on it. Right. Keep your head down. Pretend to be asleep. I'll read the newspaper. All right. Let's get him. No, not yet. Keep your head down. They look back there. Can you see? What are they doing? They just sat down. Up at the front. I get my hands on that sneaking lowdown. And the question is, are the others on the train, too? You mean James? Yeah. He might have gone further back. We didn't see him. My 5,000. If they've still got it. You might get it back. What's going on now? Ah, uh, they've got a bottle. Taking a drink. All right. I think now's as good a time as any. Get out your gun. You sure it's loaded? Yep. They'll walk up there, quietly. They'll sit down behind them. If they see us before we get there, drop to the floor and start shooting. Don't worry. Come on, then. Listening to Arthur Godfrey time five days a week is a virtue that comes with a built-in reward. Arthur and the gang have just one thought in mind, to bring you entertainment. Since their songs and comedy do just that, you do yourself a favor every time you tune them in. Every weekday, join us on most of these same stations for Arthur Godfrey Time. Mm-hmm.
men who had robbed us, members of Jesse James' gang, occupied seats at the front of the carriage. Clark and I moved up the aisle toward them, the carriage rocking and swaying as we rounded a bend. We sat down behind them. <laughs> now listen, I tell you, I've seen it. I've seen it myself, Billy. This fella, he's only got one eye, and, and Frank, he don't like the way the cards is going. Yeah. Well, he figures the one-eyed gent is doing some fancy dealing. <laughs> so he skins his gun out. You've seen Frank draw. I sure have seen him draw. Well, he lays it on the table in front of him, and he says, Well, boys, we're going to have fresh deal. Fellas in the game, they take one look at Frank's face. This yeah. one, they say, All right, Frank, sure, sure, anything you say. <laughs> Frank says, All right, now we got that settled. And you know what he's doing all this time? <laughs> <laughs> he, he's tapping on that gun laying while he's talking. And he says, now we got that settled, I'm saying right now, that from here on there ain't going to be nothing but square deal. I ain't making no accusation, nothing like that. But I'll tell you, if I catch any son of a gun cheating again, I'm going to shoot his other eye out. <laughs> Very good. Good story. But don't turn around, gentlemen. Just put your hands up. All the way. Hey. You don't I know you? Recognize the voice, huh? Kendall? And Clark, where's my gold? All in good time. Better search them first. If they try anything while I'm doing it, Clark, shoot CD in the back of the neck. Right here. How? Uh, oh. Just so. Well, an unexpected pleasure, CD. I don't think I've met your companion. Billy. Billy Badger. All right, Billy. Keep those arms stretched nice and high. an arsenal. And it does for you. Now, CD, very carefully get up and come out into the aisle. You hold these, Clark. Mm, two more. Ah, that's better. What about the gold? Uh, yes, I was coming to that. Sit down, C.D. Now, what about Mr. Clark's gold? We ain't got it. Oh? Who has? Jesse? And where is Jesse? We don't know. Do we, Billy? No. That's a fact. We split up. Did you? And where did Mr. James go? I told you. We don't know. Oh, yeah, so you did. Which makes it rather awkward... For you two gentlemen. Hey, now, now you going to kill now, us? Look, you, you can't do that. Without the money you stole, you're not much use to well, us. Now, just w wait a minute here. Hold on. I've, I've, I've got some. Here. Maybe 200 in gold. There's another 50 in paper. I got about the same. Hand it over. So that leaves about 4500 you owe us. Well, now, now listen, we can give Shut it to up, you, Billy. but... You were saying... 
nothing. Oh, all he meant was that well, when we get to Cheyenne, maybe we'll raise the money there for you. Is that what he meant? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They're lying, Kendall. I agree. No, we ain't lying on us. We sure ain't. You want first shot, Clark? Sure. Uh, not in the stomach, though. They they make so much noise. Now, now let down right. Murder. Give us Look a chance. Stand up in the aisle, boys. We don't want to get blood all over the seats. Wait now, look. Wait a minute. You can get your money. Shut up, Billy. But just I... shut up. Kendall, I'll bet you five bucks you can't take off in here at five paces. Whose? Either one. I'll take Billy. You better bet. Uh, which ear, right or left? Um... Left. Mm-hmm. Left. Uh, move over, CD. Billy, back up to the door. Well, now, look, fellas. You've got nothing to worry about Billy. He's bluffing. Back up. He's bluffing, Billy. How do you know? Ain't your ear. Yeah, that's far enough, Billy. Ready? You ain't got the guts, Kim. Don't worry, Billy. He ain't got the guts. <laughs> oh. Missed. That's five, you owe me. Same bet. You try it. All right. No. No, I'll tell you. You shut up, Billy. You shut up. I ain't shooting at you. Frank Stack. In the next carriage back. He's carrying them gold sacks we took off. Anybody else with him? No. Where's no, he's James? Alone. Where is James? We're meeting him up ahead. Good. Now sit down again, both of you. Clark, I'll get Stack. You keep an eye on these fellows. What's he wearing, Billy? Oh, regular black sack coat, vest, bowler hat. He's about your height. Wouldn't you figure, C.D.? Yeah, I guess. Fine. If they give you any trouble, Clark... Well, we won't give no trouble, honest. I moved back through the carriage and out onto the open platform. Climbed over the railing and into the next coach. I looked for the conductor, but he was nowhere in sight. Then I spotted the man who answered the description of Frank Stack. He was sitting alone, but I felt uneasy when I saw that the seats both behind and in front of him were occupied. Keeping my gun hidden underneath my jacket, I quickly moved down the aisle and sat down next to Stack. Find another place, mister, right away. This is a gun, Stack. See? We don't want any of the people in here to be hurt, do we? Hey, you're the fellow that That's was... That's right. The one you held up near Laren. Pick up your bag and walk ahead of me. Hey, now listen, don't I talk, don't have... Just do as you're told. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Don't, don't get itchy. We're going to join your friends up in the next coach. Walk slowly. Behave yourself. And you may live until we reach Cheyenne. Yeah, yeah sure. That ain't going to prove nothing. Climb over the railing. Well, that's dangerous. Man could get killed between the coaches. Man could get killed standing here unless he stopped arguing. I'll hold the bag. No, no, you don't have to. Oh, yes, I do. Thank you. Off you go. Open the door and go in. 
I thought you said... There ain't nobody in here. Clark! Clark! Keeping Stack in front of me, I walked the length of the empty car. Then, where Clark had been sitting, I found him. The miner was sprawled out on the coach floor, wedged between seats. An ugly cut on his head, a trickle of blood running from it. Get more for the money you spend. Earn more on the money you save by making use of the practical information that comes your way on the business news. Throughout the week on CBS Radio, our business news brings you Walter Cronkite or Bill Downs with an up-to-the-minute report on price trends, marketing conditions, and everything else of a business nature that's likely to interest you. Join us on most of these same CBS radio stations when it's time for the next edition of the Business News. I had a pretty good idea of where the other two road agents had gone. In front of our carriage was the mail and baggage car. I disarmed Stack, then forced him to lie face down on the floor while I tried to help Clark. It took about ten minutes for him to recover consciousness. Clark. Uh, Say, Clark. Uh, Clark. Oh. I, I thought I was dead. Clark, what happened? Well, we, we hit a... A rough bit of rail on a curve threw me off balance. And the next thing I knew, that CD was all over me. He he got one of the guns we left lying on the seat. That's what happened. Here, this might make you feel better. Open up the bag. Hey. What's he doing down there? You have to shoot him? No, he's just behaving himself. Hey! Hey, my gold! Let's see. Seven. Wait a minute, there's, there's only seven. Where's the other three sacks? You better ask him. Where's the rest of my gold, mister? Get up, Stack. Where is it? Jesse lost it in a poker game last night back in Laramie. He did, huh? Where are you supposed to meet James? Hmm? No, don't worry. You'll tell me. Clark, go and find the conductor. Tell him the other two are in the baggage car. Right. Now, here, take his gun with you. Now, Mr. Stack, I'm only going to ask you once more. Where are you meeting James? <laughs> more? No, no, no. You're waiting at Pale Creek Bridge. Ah, so that's the game. Train hold up this time, huh? How many with him? Just one. What's the plan? We flagged down the train this side of the bridge. CD, Billy Badger, and me will clean out the baggage car and wait for the westbound out of Cheyenne. As soon as it crosses Dale Creek Bridge, we blow up the trestle and empty out their baggage car. I see. Single track. Two trains facing each other, bridge down. The only way to go is Laramie. You fellas hightail it for the east, right? Yeah. Hmm. Effective. By the time they're able to get to Laramie and telegraph the news to Cheyenne, I imagine you'll be well on your way to Dakota Territory. Well, we'll have to try to do something about this, won't we? 
He didn't answer. Just stood there, glaring at me. A minute or so later, Clark came back, followed by the conductor. I told him what was in store for us. The first thing we did was to bind Stack securely and place him under the guard of one of the other passengers. Then we had to work out the best plan of procedure. I don't know. Dale Creek Bridge ain't so far off. Maybe five minutes, probably less. We're making pretty fair time. Is there any way of getting into the baggage car beside through the door? No, sir. I got no key. Mail clerk must have opened it for them. Side door sealed, too. Only way to get in is to blow it in. No, no. If you ask me, we'll keep right on going. Rider into Cheyenne. Then we can let the marshal get him out. It's a good idea, except for one thing. James has already got the charge laid to the bridge, and we don't stop on signal. He might blow it up. Not with his own boys aboard. Well, I shouldn't like to risk the lives of your passengers on the supposition that James has a tender heart. How much gold are you carrying in the baggage car? Hundred thousand? Mister, from what I've seen of Jesse James, for a hundred thousand in gold, he'd set fire to his own mother. He won't give two hoots and a holler about the rest of his gang. Yeah, yeah. Now, if they don't suspect that anything is wrong, when they signal you to stop, you stop. Well, there's only two of them. I want to avoid the possibility of one meeting the train and the other waiting to set up the charge. Once we can get them both in sight, we can shoot it out. Makes good sense to me. I'll go up and tell the engineer. No, you, you warn the passengers. Tell them not to panic. I'll talk to the engineer. You'll have to go over the top of the baggage car. I'll manage. Well, we better get a move on. We haven't much time. But it took longer than I thought it would to convince a highly suspicious engineer so that by the time he agreed to stop the train, if so ordered, we were only a scant minute from Dale Creek. I remembered the trestle from another trip I had taken a few weeks before. It was more than 130 feet high, spanning a chasm between six and 700 feet in width. The thought of a charge blowing up as we were crossing was not pleasant. I left the engine cab and had just reached the platform standing between the baggage car and the coach when there was a scream of brakes. Anything? No, not yet. Yes, there's one. He's on horse, standing by the engine. I can't see who it is. Nobody on this side. Well, unless they're going to blow up the side of the car, James is either going to have to get in through here, or C.D. and Badger will have to come out. Maybe they're waiting for one of the boys to get off. You figure some kind of signal we don't know about? No, no, no. Wait a minute. There's another. Both of them now. Come over here. Yep. That's James on the black horse, see? Yeah. Keep back. Kendall, look out! Jesse! Jesse, it's a trap! Look out, shit! Come on, Captain, let's get out of here! Uh, Give me your gun, Clark! But it was too late. Jesse James and his companion were gone. When we reached Cheyenne, Frank Stack and the bodies of C.D. and Billy Badger were turned over to the marshal. Thad Clark recovered all but $750 of his fortune, and I, my $20. As well as being able to boast that I had fired at and missed the notorious Jesse James. 
Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Harry Bartell as Clark, Stacey Harris as C.D., Charles Seal as the conductor, and Vic Perrin as Billy Badger. Join us again next week for another report from the Frontier Gentleman. Bud Sewell speaking. <laughs>